Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. It's great to welcome you to the last Sunday of 2020. Right? Uh, We made it to the last Sunday. I think some of us are putting a little too much hope in 2021. I'm not sure it's going to be everything we want it to be, but at least it won't be 2020. And uh, we get to say goodbye to this year. I'm going to invite you today to open your Bible to Acts chapter 9, the book of Acts chapter 9. I'll get started there in in verse 10 in just a minute, but uh, I want to begin by... uh, making sure that you heard or you know that every year at this season, we invite you to pick a word for the year that'll kind of be your guide or maybe just a theme uh, for the year. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, if you've never done that before, um, to just kind of think through the last few days of the year, maybe even into the beginning of uh, 2021, what's, what's a word that God might use in your life to kind of serve as a, as a um, anchor point or as a theme for the year? Sometimes my word for the year is a very biblical word. Uh, this year it's not a biblical word, but it is a biblical concept. And I'm going to read the passage first, and then I'll uh, share it and tell you what my word is. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10 says this, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, he, and, and here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying hands upon Saul, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has also sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened." Today, I want to tell you my word for 2021 is the word adapt. The word adapt. Adapt means to adjust to new conditions. And and that is my word for 2021. It's not a Bible word per se, but it's a biblical concept. I think the last 12 months have taught us a few things about adaption, about the need to adapt. For me, COVID's been like a one-year microcosm of chaos, and adaptation has been essential for all of us. And, but adaptation is not just essential during times of chaos. Adapting is crucial in relationships. 
It's important in parenting and in business and in life, being able to adapt to the situation. But 2020 revealed something about you as well. 2020 revealed that as a church, as a body of followers of Christ, we can adapt quickly and effectively, more so than I ever dreamed possible. The, and I don't know that there's a church that faced the, the kinds of crises that we faced and the kinds of chaos that we faced. Because on top of COVID, Pastor David was out for a big balance of the year. And, and his health issues only created a lot for him, but a lot for us as well. And in the midst all of that, you were amazing. We were talking the other day about some of the things that has happened even during 2020 that proved your ability to adapt. Over this year, or even in Central Florida where, where the economy has been really hit hard, our giving is still 75% of pre-COVID giving. We continue to have hundreds of small groups that continue to meet every single week using whatever means necessary so that they can meet. We today again and every weekend since we started back in June 7th and even before then, we have more devices connected right now than we had in attendance prior to COVID. More people watching online. Plus we have a lot of people in the room and every weekend we do too. We, we're running about 50% of pre-COVID attendance live in the room. Plus we have more people watching than what we had live pre-COVID. Can you believe that? In the midst of everything else. We've, and that's, that's not all. Because you demonstrated kind of like what Matthew said, in the midst of everything else, it's not about us. It's about what can we do to help others? What can we do to help other people take their step towards Jesus? During this season, we participated in something with the Hope Church called Meals, called Meals and Masks. And we distributed 320,000 meals to families in our community. And we saw, the number I had here was 225, but we can add five to that. We saw 230 baptisms in this same year as well. few, maybe a month or so ago, after a service, I met a couple. I know them, but I had not seen them at our church before. And I think they've just started coming. And, and uh, her name, the wife is named Emily. And they came up to me after the service. And, and when I could tell when she walked up, it was, she was struggling. She was having trouble talking to me what to say. And, and she looked like she'd been emotional, like she'd been crying. And I said, Emily, it's so great to see you and so glad you came. And she said, you know what? We've, we've stayed away from church too long. We, we should have come back a lot sooner. And, and I'm so glad we came today, but, but I need to tell you, you need to do something. I said, what do we need to do? She said, you need to put a sign in the lobby that says if this is your first weekend back, use waterproof mascara. She said, she said, because I'd forgotten what it was like to be in the room and experience everything that's there. It's been such a challenging year. It's taken adaptation. And can I say to you, what an amazing body of Christ you are. You rallied around your pastor 
as he struggled and went through health crisis and you rallied around the rest of the staff and you rallied around our community. You adapted time after time after time in ways that I gotta tell you, I just couldn't imagine that we would be able to adapt like we did and you did. But our greatest, yeah, you can applaud it. It's awesome what you were able to do. And can I just say the spirit in which you did it without grumbling or complaining to use biblical words with a gracious spirit and with excitement and energy around everything that God had put before us. You said, hey, I know there's change coming. Can I tell you that I think there are greater opportunities to adapt in the future than there have been in the past. You know, sociologists say that these days are full of change. In fact, they use a term called VUCA, V-U-C-A, that stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That describes our worldwide culture today. Things are happening so quickly and changes come so fast that we have to learn to adapt. And as followers of Christ, it's important that we adapt as well because the path ahead of us is nothing like the journey behind us. I read recently, or reread, I should say, the story of Lewis and Clark. There came a day in that journey when they were in the early 1800s and they were going down the Missouri River to try to find a water path all the way to the West Coast, all the way to the Pacific Ocean, a water path that does not exist, by the way. And they got to a place called the Limhigh Pass. And Meriwether Lewis was at that peak. And when he got to the summit, what he expected to find was the things that he had experienced before. He expected the western part of the country to be similar to the eastern part of the country, to be rolling hills and easy mountains. And what he faced was completely different. When he got to the Lemhi Pass, he realized, and I think we've got a picture of it, he realized that the journey ahead of him was nothing like the journey behind him, that things were not the same. Somebody said it this way, Lewis and Clark and the Corps of Discovery were about to go off the map into uncharted territory. They would have to change plans, give up expectations, even reframe their entire mission. What lay before them was nothing like what was behind them. There were no experts, no maps, no best practices, and no sure guides who could lead them safely and successfully into their future. I believe that's where we are as followers of Christ. You see, I think we have days ahead of us that are nothing like the days behind. And the Apostle Paul, we don't have time, I don't have time to go into all, I'm gonna just tell you part of what happened, but the Apostle Paul was at a limb high pass himself. At the end of this passage, when he says he got up and he ate and he was baptized and he started moving. In fact, it's verses 18 and 19. It says this, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, taking food. He was strengthened. In that moment, it's as though he's standing at Limhi Pass and he's looking at a future that's completely like, excuse me, unlike the past journey. And he's saying, what is it that's coming ahead of me? And adapting is a necessary Christian discipline. The Bible doesn't use the word adapt, but the Bible uses the word transformation. 
the word changing. In fact, that word transformation in the Bible um, is the same term that we get the word metamorphosis from, where things are changing. It means leaving the ideas of the past in favor of the path going forward. And we have a task before us as followers of Christ, as a unified body and as individuals, we have a task going forward because I think the, the conditions going forward are gonna be even more disruptive than COVID. It's not caused by 2020. It's caused by a new kind of America, not brought about in 2020, but there's a changing culture that is happening. And adaptation is critical for us to adapt as followers of Jesus and for us to adapt as a body is critical right now. You see, over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so, and, and especially as we go into the next 10 years, we're going to see an ever stronger change from a, what sociologists in our country have called Christendom, the existence of a base of culture that is based on Christian values and Christianity itself, the idea that the Bible is a, a book worth reading and has truth for us and those kind of ideas. We are moving from that to a secular society without gods or with false gods. And we're moving towards this and when we do, as followers, as people who are trying to represent Jesus in our culture, we will have to adapt. And let me say a word to some who might be with us, maybe even watching today, who are exploring and, and learning and asking questions about faith. It's okay, you've come to the right place. It's a great place to ask questions and, and, and learn. And we want to be a place where you can learn and, and understand what it means to follow Jesus. But, but we have to learn if we're starting from a different perspective. And when we're in uncharted territory, adaptation is everything. We are going into uncharted territory. What, what we've known as a country in the past is gonna be nothing like what it's gonna be in the future. We're gonna have to change our plans and give, our, give up our expectations and reframe our mission because there really are no experts. We're stepping off the map. There's no map, there's no best practices, there's no guides other than for us to follow the guides from scripture. And we are changing our message, changing our style, changing our, our presentation, not really the message, but the, the way we uh, deliver the message, the, the style that we use so that it can connect with the people in our culture. And adapting is easier, Paul teaches us, by example, if we have stabilizers. Can you imagine if everything is moving and everything is changing for us to have something that is stable for us, then that helps us. And two stabilizers Paul displays right here. First, when we adapt, we, want, we must hold on to our message. The first is the message. It's in two different verses there in 20 and 28. It says this, and he immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. And then in verse 28, and he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Paul was quick to say, I have one message to give and the message is Jesus. And so as we have to adapt the way we talk to people about faith and the way we invite people to come follow Jesus and the way we do things as a church to be, uh, be a place where people want to come and hear about Jesus, 
For us to be able to do that, we have to start with Jesus, not with other things, which is what Paul did. He said, I'm beginning with Jesus. Jesus is what's most important. The best news we have is Jesus. And so we can't, it's okay to have other things that we do, but we must lead with Jesus. Paul didn't take up a bunch of other causes and believe me, he could, have, he could have taken up causes even then, but he didn't. He said, I'm leading with Jesus and we have to do the same thing. We must lead with what's most important. And Jesus is what we have to offer people. Jesus is what's changed, who's changed everything for us. We must keep that stabilizing force of our message is Jesus. We're gonna adapt in the days to come. Ah, nobody knows exactly what the adaption is. In fact, I say if people even know what COVID is going to cause or the results of what's happened in 2020, what the effects of that are gonna be in 2021 and beyond. If somebody's telling you they know what's gonna happen in the months to come, they're probably trying to sell you something because nobody knows. We don't know what's coming. Here's what we do know. We have to adapt. We have to be ready to pivot and change, but we don't change our message. Our message is singular. Our message is Jesus, and we lead with what's most important. Secondly, Paul had a stabilizer, and that was when we adapt, we must hold to our mission. You see, Paul was very clear on what his mission was, and he had a mission that was unique to him. Can I say something to all of us. Do you know, we, we say often here what our mission as a church is to follow Jesus and lead others to do the same, but can I say a word that every single one of us has a unique mission that God has given to us? And for Paul, that path ahead was nothing like the journey behind him. What an unusual person to be assigned what he was assigned. In verse 15, it's actually before the other one. In verse 15, it says this, He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. In this verse, and actually, this is Jesus speaking to Ananias in a dream, telling Ananias what Paul's mission is. He's going to take the name of Jesus to Gentiles. We're so used to hearing that that we don't really take into account what that is, but I can tell you when Paul faced his uncertain future, he leaned into his mission and his mission was to tell people who didn't know the good news was for them about the good news. Paul's mission was outside the center. It was was reaching people that didn't even know the gospel was for them. Paul's mission was people outside the center. That's who he was taking the gospel to. And I think it's a great demonstration for us. Paul knew he was reaching people who didn't come from religious background, who did not have the same um, basis for faith that he had. He had come from Judaism. And remember in those seasons, everybody assumed that the good news and the Messiah was only for Jews. But Paul's mission, Paul's mission was for people outside the center, people who were not Jewish. Paul said, I'm going somewhere else. In fact, do you know Paul's greatest opposition was from people who were religious, who were saying, wait a minute, I don't think you can take the gospel to people like that. 
Paul figured ways and he, he adapted to say, and not only did he adapt, he helped the church to adapt, moving to be able to present the gospel to people who didn't know the good news was for them. When we're in a post-Christian culture, like what we're in right now, we have gotten there in a post-Christian culture. We can't start the conversations about faith in the same place. And most of you, you know this already because you're experiencing it every day at work and school and neighborhoods, wherever you are. There used to be a day that you could start a conversation of faith with somebody in the United States on the Bible. People took it as authoritative and people took it as serious in some place you could learn, but today that's not a starting place for a lot of people. You have to start with the way Paul did when he was at Mars Hill. He started quoting their philosophers in order to bring truth to them. He, he adapted. And we have to do the same thing. We, we can't assume someone believes the Bible when we start talking to them. We ha- and sometimes they do, and that's great. But we can, we can adapt and say, hey, there's ways to, we can bring them to the place where they come to trust the Bible like we do. But in a secular society, in a post-Christian culture, I don't know that we can do that. And Paul had conflict with church leaders And most of it was not about what the message is, but who the message is for. And he led the church to adapt. Can I say to every one of us, God has gifted every single one of us uniquely the same way he gifted Paul. Now, not with the same mission, but with our unique mission. And maybe your unique mission has to do with the place you work or with certain gifts and talents that you have. Our church's mission, again, is to follow Jesus and lead others. But inside of that, every single one of us has a mission, something that God has uniquely gifted you for, prepared you for, and now is saying, hey, I want you to accomplish what it is that I have given for you to do. I don't know what the changes are for churches in the days ahead or as followers of Christ. None of us do. I have a feeling that Over the past, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, especially when I've been in church and around, churches have gathered for teaching and it's it's about how many people can we get on the weekends and and it's a lot about uh, listening. And I think in the future, again, I don't know for sure, but I think think some of the emphasis is gonna turn from, from what David and I are doing or other people are doing on the platform to more and more what you are doing and how you are taking the gospel. I think somehow, I don't know exactly how it'll work, but I think somehow we're gonna, we're gonna add, add as much emphasis to the sending of the people as we are to the gathering of the people. And maybe we'll add as much emphasis to the training of the people as we have to the teaching of the people. That it's saying, how can we help our church? How can we help all of us become people like Paul who hold to the, me- to the um, message and hold to the mission and say, I'm going to adapt in every way possible to adjust to the culture of the day in such a way that I can be winsome and compelling as I talk to them about Jesus. So maybe we're going to incorporate training and teaching and gathering and sending and We're gonna help people transition from loyal listeners to learning leaders. All of us being on mission, who God wants us to be. You know, it isn't so much that God has a mission for us, it's that he has us 
for his mission. And he has gifted each one of us with a mission, something that he wants us to do. And we want to empower you. I can tell you, David and I talk about it often, that this church is made up of some of the most amazing people in the whole world. And how can we help you? How can we resource you? How can we inspire you? How can we empower you to help you accomplish everything that God wants you to do? And that's what we want to do. And I think in the days ahead, we're gonna see ways that you adapt that that none of us ever dreamed possible as you adapt to the culture. Again, that doesn't mean we're changing who we are. We're holding real firm to the message. It's Jesus. And we're holding real firm to our mission, our corporate mission to follow Jesus and lead others and our individual unique mission to be exactly who God wants you to be in your family, at work and at school, in your neighborhood on mission for him. Somehow in the days ahead, we're gonna continue to change this community and change the world because you've been empowered to be God's representative right where you live, work and play. A few weeks ago, I got invited to play golf and they paired us up with somebody that I didn't know. And that's always a little awkward because um, I'm always afraid I'm gonna hinder the conversation or the, the vocabulary that's used after a bad shot. And um, any of y'all played golf, you get that, okay? People cuss a lot when they play golf. So, and they get really nervous when I'm there. But anyway, uh, they shouldn't be, but anyway. Um, so they introduced me and one of the people that I met, his name is Victor, been in Orlando a long time. And we visited for a, a, just a minute. And, and a few minutes later, he, he asked me the first question. So where is the church that you're a pastor at? And I said, well, it's First Baptist Orlando, you know, John Young and I-4. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there for like the, don't you guys do a Christmas program? I said, yeah, the singing trees. Yeah, I've been there for that a few times. So we talked a little bit about that few minutes later. He said, hey, do you know Jerry Johnson? I said, yeah, I know Jerry. Been in our church forever. I knew his first wife and um, saw, I'm telling Victor, I saw him walk. He said, yeah, I've been his friend for a long time. His first wife passed away and it was really hard. And he said, I, I was around when that happened as well. And I said, yeah, but Jerry's a good friend and serves on our personnel team and just a great guy. I love Jerry. So we few more minutes pass. He walks over and he says, so Danny, I got a question for you. Are you a pastor like Jerry's a pastor? I said, no, I'm nowhere near the pastor that Jerry is because Jerry's a member of our church and Victor calls him Pastor Jerry for 25, 30 years. Jerry has represented Jesus to Victor. In the, yeah, it's awesome. Can I tell you something? There's no way David or I could have the credibility or the voice, or more importantly, the access to Victor that Pastor Jerry has. If you know Jerry, I'll expect you to start calling him Pastor Jerry, by the way. <laughs> the access, 
to be able to say, Jerry knows, Jerry knows and Jerry knew. He has a unique mission that God has given him to represent Jesus and he's adapted well to be able to say, I'm gonna hold on to the message and I know my mission and I'm gonna represent Jesus right where I live, work and play. And today, there's a guy at a golf course who when he thinks of a pastor of a church, He's not thinking about somebody who stands here. He's thinking about somebody who sits next to him, stands next to him, does dinner with him, has walked with him through life for 20 years. Let's be that kind of people. I'm so proud of you and so grateful for you. Let's adapt to everything God has for us in the future and be his people. Let's pray. God, thank you for our wonderful church, for our wonderful people. What an incredible body of Christ you have here. And I'm humbled to be a part of it, to be influenced by them and framed and formed by them in so many ways. I'm humbled and grateful. Thank you for the thousands of people in our family here who are like Jerry being pastors right in their everyday lives, taking the gospel with them, adapting to a new reality that's gonna happen more and more and more in the days ahead. I pray God, help us to be that kind of church. Just continue to raise up men and women. Say, hey, if the church is changing to where it's more about me going and taking the gospel than it is about people coming, or maybe it's some of both, I'm ready to adapt and be God's missionary wherever he needs me to go. I pray, God, continue to raise up your people and empower them to be on mission for you. Thank you for getting us to this Sunday in 2020. Lead us where you want us to go. We'll do anything you ask, experience anything you have for us in order to help us spread the good news of Jesus to more and more people. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.